0: Please turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, Matthew 5, and I'll read verses 1 through 12. And the text for this evening is verse 5 of chapter 5. Hear the word of God. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Dear congregation of Jesus Christ, what do you think of when you hear the word meek? Maybe you have trouble defining the word, and I can empathize with that. Without looking the word up in a dictionary or hearing a sermon about the topic of meekness, it's difficult to give a definition. Perhaps someone thinks that meekness is really the same as niceness, the quality of being kind to everyone. Perhaps you think that Someone who is meek is a weak person. You think that the meek person gladly gives other people their way. The goal of his life is to make other people happy. And she will let them walk all over her if that's what they want. Meekness is neither natural niceness nor is it weakness of character. And I remind you that Meekness, along with all the other characteristics identified in the Beatitudes, is not a naturally occurring characteristic. In our time in God's Word this afternoon, we'll give our attention to the third Beatitude found in Matthew 5.5. 5. Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I'll answer the following questions of the text. What is meekness? Who are some meek people? How can we be meek so that this beatitude would be true of us? And what is the reward of meek? First, then, I'll answer the question, what is meekness? Meekness describes the attitude and actions of Christians as they relate to God and to others. The word translated as meek is sometimes translated as gentle, and this is good as far as it goes for our our understanding, but Meekness refers to the attitude that gives rise to gentleness. Meekness results in gentleness that only the Christian displays. We must not think that meekness is a passive virtue. The meek person doesn't sit still like a rock only to have the circumstances and changes of life come crashing in like waves from the ocean. Meek people are active dynamic, interesting people who are on the move. They take the initiative. They are proactive, not just reactive. Meek people are not spineless or lacking in conviction. They are servant leaders without being Christian doormats. Let me flesh out the idea that meekness is connected to the relationship of the Christian to his God and to others. How then does meekness rise from the relationship between you and God, for those who are Christians. Meekness flows from the understanding of who God is. God is the supreme sovereign of the universe. He is the one who rules over all creatures and all things. He has the right to do what he will because he is God. We summarize this all with the one word, sovereignty. The meek man, woman, boy or girl, submits to God's sovereignty. And this isn't a forced submission. It isn't the kind of attitude that says, there's nothing I can do about God's sovereignty. I can't impact God or overrule him in any way, so I have to submit. Meekness is not a grudging, unwilling, rebellious attitude. But it is rejoicing in and glorifying God for his sovereignty who better than almighty god to be in control of the universe how right it is that god should be concerned with his own glory he is god alone submission to god's sovereignty doesn't end in passivity or fatalism rather it re- it leads to true worship for god love for god not only because of what he gives but increasingly Because of who he is, the meek person respects God. He is God and we are not. We are his creatures and he is worthy to be feared by us and by all people everywhere. Meekness flows from the new nature of a saved sinner in connection with Jesus, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Meekness acknowledges God doesn't owe me anything. God loved me while I hated Him. He worked in me so that I would love Him. He chose to save me in eternity past. His choice was rooted entirely in Himself, not at all in me and anything that I can offer to Him. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, everything we receive comes from the grace of God. God lavishes blessings on us. He continues to love us and to act in great kindness to us. If you believe these things and you understand them, they give you the foundation for meekness. Meekness also impacts the interaction between Christians and other people. Instead of being quick to take offense, the meek person has a long-suffering, forgiving, forbearing spirit. Instead of always standing up, for his or her rights, and the things that he thinks he's entitled to, the meek Christian will not insist on getting his or her way. Since love overlooks a multitude of sins, is not easily provoked, these things are aspects of meekness. In an argument, a meek person doesn't give as good as he gets. He doesn't respond with harsh, cutting words to pay the person back. Congregation, I'm not preaching this beatitude as someone who has arrived, as someone who knows much about the experience of meekness in my own life. And so I come to the text as you do, a saved sinner confronted by the words of Jesus, the description of those who know his saving work. This is the word of God for us this afternoon. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Does meekness matter to you? Do you want this precious precious virtue? Do you know something of meekness in your life? Not only in the way that you relate to God, but also in the way that you relate to other people. Another word related to meekness is the word humility. The humble man, woman, boy or girl realizes that everything I receive is something I don't deserve from God. Every second of life is a gift from God. I'm not entitled to encouragement, appreciation, and many other benefits from other people, from family members. And what happens as a result of this? The meek, humble person won't be offended when he has done his duty and no one notices. No one says thank you. Indeed, conversely, we ought to thank and love and encourage one another as congregation and as families. But I use this example because the right reaction to not being thanked flows from meekness. The meek person doesn't harbor a silent grudge. He doesn't expect or demand to be thanked, and she serves willingly, whether or not people thank her. The meek person does not retaliate when he is wrong. Not only is meekness related to gentleness and humility, but it's also related to love, even love for one's enemies. This is a hard text, dear ones, but it's the word of God for you and for me. The next question I'll answer is, who in the Bible is an example of meekness? And here God confronts our misconceptions about meekness. According to the thinking of our day, in order to get ahead, You need to be a talented, assertive person who knows the right people and who puts yourself forward. In reaction to that, we might think of the meek person as someone who doesn't put himself forward, who lets others lead, and who accomplishes little. Yet God counters the man-centered thinking of this world. Who was the meekest man on the face of the earth? We learn the answer to that question in Numbers 11, that he was Moses. And what a man of action Moses was. If you feel your shortcomings in meekness, you're meant to take encouragement from the story of Moses. Moses thought that he would rescue Israel by himself. Do you remember how he killed an Egyptian who was beating an Israelite slave? Moses needed to learn to act according to God's timetable and God's plan for Israel. Yet by the time 40 years have passed of Being a shepherd in the wilderness, Moses thinks far less of himself and his own abilities. By the time the Lord comes to him to tell him now is the time and he's the one to lead Israel out of Egypt, Moses must be persuaded to obey God's command and do that work of deliverance. And what does Moses do? He brings God's message to Pharaoh, a wicked, most powerful king of the time. He says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Moses and his brother Aaron bring this message to Pharaoh again and again. The Lord sends plague after plague upon Egypt, and finally Pharaoh urges the Israelites to leave Egypt. What an example of of meekness Moses is when Israel is camped near the Red Sea and the Egyptian army is approaching from the rear. The people say, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is not, isn't this not the word we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. How will Moses respond to these words? Will he say that the people are cowards and liars? Will he walk away from them since they have turned against him so quickly? No, congregation. Moses answers in meekness and faith. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Meekness doesn't answer back when people bring groundless accusations. And yet the meek person knows when it's the right time to get angry. Do you remember how Moses came down from Mount Sinai to find the Israelites worshiping the golden calf and engaging in all kinds of immorality? What did he do then? He threw down the tablets of stone and smashed them. He arranged for the idol worshipers to be killed. He ground the golden calf to powder He threw it into the drinking water, and he made the people drink it. Moses knew that this was the right time to get angry. He got angry for God's sake. And what happened the next day? After he got angry, the next day Moses was in God's presence, interceding for Israel. And listen to what he says. Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a god of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin." But if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. That's meekness, dear ones. Moses didn't defend himself and his leadership. When Miriam and Aaron rebelled against Moses, they belittled Moses for marrying a black woman. That's really the first example of of racism in the Bible. And God clearly shows us what he thinks of racism. He punished Miriam by turning her white with leprosy. And what happened then? Immediately, Moses interceded for her. He asked the Lord to heal her. And the Lord answered his prayer. You can read about that in Numbers 12. Many times Israel complained. And many times Moses didn't answer back. How did this great change happen in Moses' life? How was he changed from a man who thought he could do it all himself into a man consumed by the glory of God and the honor of God. It happened because God the Holy Spirit did this work. God saved and sanctified his people in the Old Testament just as he does today. God did it for Moses, and he is able and willing to do it for you too. For you who see the pride in your heart, the ugly sin of selfishness and a critical spirit. The Lord is the only one who can help you. And he's willing to do it as he did it for Moses. God helps people who can't help themselves. Will you come to him because you are cold and hard? Will you come to him for a contrite, a broken spirit? God alone can make proud people humble. He alone Can make self-confident and brazen people meek and tender. He did it for Moses and he can do it for you. Even Moses' story shows us that in ourselves there were always, there will always be imperfections and failure in our lives. Perhaps some of you have been thinking about the one time that Moses got angry in a sinful way. The Israelites were at Kadesh. Miriam, Moses' sister had died there, and there was no water. And this is the story from Numbers 20. God speaks to Moses, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock, and give drink to the congregation and their animals. And then in verse 9, So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, "'Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock?' Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, "'Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel,' Therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Congregation, it is with reason we have the saying, the best of men are men at best. Never forget it. Your heroes will disappoint you if you expect perfection. This is going to be true as long as you look to a human being to be your hero. But how much better... Jesus Christ is, in comparison to Moses, the best of men. Moses was the meekest man on the earth, but he was an imperfect man, a sinner. However, no one showed more meekness in proper balance than Jesus did. How bold he was for his Father's glory. Twice he made a whip of cords and drove the money changers from the temple. How scathing he was in his attacks on the religious leaders of his day who mistook morality for godliness. And yet, how tender he was to the needy people. How gentle and approachable Jesus was so that mothers could trust him with their little children. I hope you see this, brothers. Meekness and biblical masculinity match. Remember that Jesus, the the paragon, the, the, the paradigm, the example of godly manhood, was meek, and he was gentle and kind and tender. As well as righteously angry, the meek man knows when it is time to fight to defend the ones he loves. No one displayed this winsome Manly moderation as perfectly as Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Think of the meekness and the majesty of Jesus as he stood before his accusers on trial. Instead of defending himself against all the false charges, the lies, the slander, the mockery, Jesus said nothing. What wisdom he showed. Isn't it true that we would be quick to defend ourselves, especially if we were in the right and others were in the wrong? That's the way our human natures prompt us to answer. But this is not so with Jesus. He is meekly, sinlessly silent. We can admire the meekness of Jesus and seek to imitate the example of Jesus. But this will be of no help to us. This will only only confront us with the perfection of Jesus and our own sins and shortcomings. We know we ought to be meek, for Jesus has taught us the beauty of meekness. But on our own, by nature, we don't want to be meek, and we can't be meek. But there is good news. Jesus was meek not only to be an example, in fact, not primarily to be an example. Jesus was meek in order to be a savior. So many times in our lives, before we act, Someone could hit pause, and the person could ask, will he or she react in meekness here? And how many times after we react? The answer to the question would be, no, not at all. But this was never the case with Jesus. He always acted as he should. When it was right to speak, he spoke. When it was right for him to respo- reprove, he reproved. When it was right for him to be angry, He was angry. When it was right for him to be tender, he was tender. By his death on the cross, Jesus paid for the many, many times that his people should be meek, but are not. By his life, Jesus covered our pride with his humility, our harshness with his meekness. There is an ample, inexhaustible supply of virtue, yes, of meekness too, In Jesus, dear ones, this was a convicting sermon for me to write some years ago, and I'm sure it's a convicting sermon to hear. If you sense your lack of meekness, you see how far short you come of this beatitude, don't stay in your conviction and don't despair. Your conviction can't save you. Your conviction can't sanctify you if you are a Christian, but Jesus can. He is able to save everyone who cries to him for mercy, everyone who looks to him in faith, and he is willing to save you if you believe in him. There is such power in Jesus' life and death that not only will he credit you with perfect meekness when you believe, but he will send the Holy Spirit to work in your heart so that you would have desires for and evidences of meekness in your life too. It's true that... God's sanctifying work is a process. And God's people experience slow change more often than not. And yet, more and more, the lives of God's people are characterized by meekness and less and less by pride. And if it's so in your life, you don't have to advertise your meekness. You don't have to tell others about it. Meekness is one of those virtues that We don't sense in ourselves, but others can see in us by the grace of God. And what is the reward of the meek? They shall inherit the earth, Jesus says. At the end of time, God will renew the heavens and earth. They will be perfect, flawless, sinless, holy places, and the meek will inherit them. The proud, the self-sufficient, the wicked, may never enter there. But the meek are welcome. Yes, the meek will inherit that land. Their title to the land is as secure as the word of God. The meek ones alone shall live there. They and they only may be there. Just as the inheritance willed to a child is certain, so the inheritance of the new heavens and the new earth is certain. God has willed that the meek will inherit the earth. And unlike every other maker of a will, God lives to ensure that his will is carried out. The proud self-promoters of this world focus on this life and everything they can gain here and now. Everyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ has a better inheritance coming. God's people are ignored belittled, mocked, and even persecuted now. We don't seem to matter when you compare our numbers and our prestige. But all appearances to the contrary notwithstanding, we are the blessed ones, the happy ones. We are the ones to be envied. And this is so because Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen.